0: Well, this is an exciting weekend as it's the grand opening of our Bonnie Dune campus. Can we give God all the glory? This is so exciting. It's so exciting. God has been moving in the Bonnie Dune area and the surrounding areas for so long. And by us starting a campus right there, we are joining in what God has already been doing. And we are excited to be a part of the way that he is awakening Greater in the King Jesus, and now we can be a part of that in that Bonny Dune area, continuing the good work that has happened for so long. So thank you for praying for the launch, for Pastor Colin, for the team. Uh, tonight is gonna be that grand opening service, all right. Okay, so last week we started in season two of Philippians, and we learned in Philippians two twelve to 13, that a life of faith is a life of response to who God is, what he's done, and why he did it. We compared the life of faith to the foxtrot, where instead of seeing our steps as being front, front, side, together, it's actually back, back, side, close, because we're following. We're following the lead of Jesus in our lives. We're following... The way in what he has already done for us, we're following as a response into his direction in our lives. So now if this is a posture that we are called to adopt as followers of Jesus, then how are we to live? Right? What are we to do in response? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, whether we realize it or not, uh, we're all creatures of habit, aren't we? In the mornings, for me, it's coffee and the Bible. Uh, When I'm driving, it's, uh, I'm always listening to podcasts or worship music. On Fridays, we Sabbath as a family, and Christina and I also will go on a date. And then on Mondays, I'm doing sermon prep and smoking. Uh, This kind of smoking, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Uh, So what are some of your habits? You know, if I were to grab your phone and and pull up your favorites or someone you recently called or messaged and I were to give them a call and ask them to tell me uh, to share some of the things that they've observed you frequently do, what would they say? Would they say that they've often observed you touching your hair a lot? Uh, or maybe snacking, right? Like you're always snacking or, or, or always drinking coffee or, or, or maybe you're always on your phone or playing, the game, playing games or going to the washroom or, or maybe you're always on social media, right? Maybe it's always social media or, uh, you know, because you're, you're always writing passive-aggressive angry Facebook posts because you don't know how else to express yourself. I know none of you uh, <laughs> are like that, but, you know, honestly, if... If your friends shared what they saw you frequently doing, what would they say? Well, because of who God is, what God's done, and why he did it, Paul teaches the Philippians and us how we are to respond. He talks about what we are called to do in response to what he did. And we see what he says here. He, he actually talks about um, habits, things that we are called to do in Philippians 2, starting from verse 14. So let's take a look at this. What are we called to do? We'll do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Friends, this is what, what we just read right here, this is what back, back, side, together looks like. This is what a life of response looks like. Now remember, uh, we're not doing any of this that we just read to earn anything. Jesus already earned it for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. He earned a pathway for us to life, to meaning, to purpose, to joy. So when we do this, we're not doing it to do what Jesus did. We're actually doing it in response to who he is, what he's done and why he did it. So let's do that, let's, let's start by learning how to do what we see here in these verses by talking about three habits for a life of response. The first one is choosing gratitude. Secondly, we're gonna learn how to hold on to the word. And then lastly, it's serving at his pleasure. So let's start with the first one which is choosing gratitude, to choose gratitude. Now take a look at what Paul says in verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Right here in this verse, Paul is inviting us to choose gratitude, to choose to be grateful. Now you know, as as much as I hate to admit it, there's so much of life that's just out of our control, right? I mean, the weather's out of our control. Uh, Inflation seems to be out of our control, right? Disease is out of our control. Cancers out of our control. Miscarriages are out of our control. And, and you know, when our loved ones do something that hurts themselves and then ultimately hurts us, that seems to be out of our control too, right? You know, if we, if we let our external circumstances dictate how we live and, and, and how we feel at any given moment, I mean, what, what sort of life would that, would, would that result in? I mean, we'd become really negative and bitter people, wouldn't we? If we let everything around us dictate our lives and, and influence how we feel and, and how we live. You know, when you think about it, though, we're talking about, you know, not grumbling and arguing, but when, but when you think about it, I don't think anyone actually needs to teach us how to grumble and you right? I mean, this here is so natural for so many of us, right? I mean, when's the last time you did that when you missed the putt, okay? Or, or maybe it's not when you missed a putt, but when you uh, missed that exit off the highway uh, or, or when you missed a deadline. Or how about this when things didn't go your way? How often do you feel like this? Right? It's just like that just brought you down all day. So in this passage, Paul is inviting us to choose to be grateful, to choose gratitude by doing everything without grumbling and arguing. Now, now it's, it's fascinating because when you look at the text and you look at how Paul says what he says here, it's so clear that he's thinking about the Israelites in the desert, now let's rewind a little bit and go back to what he was thinking about. The Israelites had been living in Egypt for 430 years. 284 of those were as slaves. And then God raises up Moses as the great deliverer. He raises them up and, and then they, are, they break free, right, from the grip of the Egyptians and God leads them by a cloud, of, a pillar of a cloud by, by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, how amazing would that be, right? God just leading you so clearly and directly like that. But then they they hear the Egyptians coming behind them, the hooves marching up, and and then they hit the Red Sea and, and it's almost like, okay, God, do you just bring us out here to die? No, actually, God splits open He splits open the Red Sea, they march all the way through, and then you know He covers the Egyptians with the water, they're free. Right, they're free. They're finally free. The Egyptians are no longer at their tails. And then God gives them the Ten Commandments. And they're hungry, obviously, all this would make you hungry. And and so God feeds them miraculously with manna, with bread from heaven. That just like mirac- you know, you open up your tent and miraculously there's breakfast, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner right there. And, and then and then because God's not a vegetarian, you know, He, he sends He sends quail. I'm sorry, if you're a vegetarian, I apologize. (laughs) I just love meat, as you can tell. I love smoking meat, too. Um, God sends quail, right? He sends them all that they need. Their daily bread. And just as they were about to enter the promised land, like they were so close, proximity-wise, to the promised land, we read here what happens in Numbers 14, verse two. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. And the whole community told them, if we had only died in the land of Egypt. I mean, can you, like, can you imagine that? Like after experiencing all of that, they were like, if only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. what's going on in their hearts that they would say this, right? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us to go? You know what they're saying here? They're like, wouldn't it be better for us to become slaves? Wouldn't it be better for us to be oppressed? Like that's what they're saying here. Let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. I mean, this is crazy. Like, they, they were just as they were about to enter the promised land. They grumbled and argued. They were grateful. They weren't grateful. They, they, I mean, if anything, they didn't do everything without grumbling and arguing. They did everything with grumbling and argument. And so, because this was their pattern, God allowed them to reap the consequences of their decisions. Other than Joshua and Caleb... All the Israelites who had been in Egypt and had escaped Egypt died in the desert. And not only that, but their children then needed to pay and reap the consequences in that they had to then wander in the desert for 40 years. I mean, when you're so close, like they were so close to the promised land and they had to reap the consequences of their actions. In our home, anytime anyone grumbles, kids, adults including, uh, we have this rule where you need to stop your grumbling and arguing. If you catch anyone, stop your grumbling and arguing, and you need to instead uh, say five things that you're grateful for to the other person. You, I know it sounds like torture, right? Um, but, but seriously, like, can you imagine this? So, so kids are fighting, or someone else is fighting, or grumbling or arguing, and it's like, okay, you now need to share, okay, what are five things, right now, Like in the middle of the argument, right now, what are five things that you are grateful for about the person? I'm grateful that they didn't hit me. Okay, that doesn't count, right? That doesn't count. I'm grateful that they sometimes do the dishes. Okay, that's a start. That's a start. And then one after another, as they start sharing the things that they're grateful for, things and their perspective actually Shifts. I mean, can you imagine if the Israelites, after complaining, and that's all they saw, right? In that moment, Moses was like, hey, but what are you grateful for? And if they started saying, well, I mean, we used to live in slavery and and now we're free, we used to have to work for our food, and now the food kind of appears. We didn't really know where our life was heading, we didn't really know where we were going, but now God leads us with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, and they could have gone on and on and on about all the things that they were grateful for. Do you think they would have continued on the trajectory that they were heading down toward if they shifted that perspective? If they did everything without grumbling and arguing? Friends, let's choose gratitude. That's why Paul says here, do everything without grumbling and arguing. So that, right? Like why? It's like, yeah, there's something to do, but why in Philippians 2.14, so that you may be blameless and pure. In other words, so that you will grow in Christ-likeness. This is what Paul is talking about. When we choose gratitude, we are we are cultivating the environment in which we will grow in Christ's likeness. He talks about this more in Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be, here's that phrase, pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God of God. What Paul here is saying is that as we choose gratitude, we will grow in love. As we choose gratitude, we will grow in knowledge. As we choose gratitude, we will grow in our ability to discern and make decisions. As we grow in gratitude, we will grow in Holiness and impurity, as we choose gratitude, we will grow in in the fruit of the Spirit. There'll be more love in our lives. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of that will be cultivated in our lives and grow and mature in our lives as we choose gratitude. And, And as we choose gratitude, we will be ever more prepared for the day of Christ, that day when Christ returns. In other words, when we choose gratitude, we will grow in likeness. So, my dear brothers and sisters, let's choose to be grateful. In every and any circumstance, let's choose to be grateful in response to who God is, what he's done, and, and why he did it moment by moment. Let's do everything without grumbling and arguing for when we choose gratitude and grow in likeness, we will begin looking different than the world around us. And as we'll see in the next verse, uh, we'll we'll actually begin shining like stars in this dark and sleeping world when we hold on to the word. And that's our next habit. Hold on to the word. That's what Paul's talking about here in Philippians 2, hold on to the word, hold on to the word of life, the word that gives life, hold on to the gospel, hold on to Jesus and never let him go. That's why Paul says what he says here in Philippians 2. Let's take a look at it again in verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing, right? We talked about that so that you may be blameless and pure. Yeah, we, we talked about that too, right? Growing in Christ-likeness, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by, what does that say? By holding firm to the word of life. Now, when you think about it, there's so many things that we can hold on, there's so many things that we do hold on to Right, We hold on to relationships, we hold on to our stuff, we, we hold on to, to, to money, we hold on to our past, our memories, things that have happened, things that we've done, things that have happened to us, we hold on to these things, we, we hold on to our dreams for the future. Right? We hold on to hopes, we hold on to our homes, we hold on, hold on to our, all of that, Right, work, security. We hold on to so many things. And the reason we hold on to all these things is because in, in one way or another, they, they, they give us a sense of meaning, don't they? they? They give us a sense of identity, they give us a sense of purpose. But, but what Paul here is saying is that he's saying that as the, the more you hold on to whatever it is that you're holding on to, the more that those things will begin holding on to you. And as those things begin holding on to you, those things will then begin shaping you into their image and likeness. And then the result is that it's then gonna be even harder to hold on to the word of life, the word of Christ. That's what Paul here is talking about. So we see this connection in verse 15 and 16 Paul says, hey, you all are shining like stars in this dark and sleeping world because you're holding on to the word of life. Amidst a crooked, dark, and perverted generation, the Philippians, you guys are shining. You're shining like stars in this dark and dreary world. You're blameless and pure, children of God, because you're holding firmly onto what Matters. You're holding firmly onto the Word of Life. Everything else that's competing for your attention and worship, you're not holding onto that. You're holding onto the Word of Life. So, friends, let's hold on to the Word of Life. Let's hold on to Jesus Christ, the One that brings life. Because in Christ we find new life. In Christ we experience new birth. In Christ we adopt a new identity, and in Christ we become children of God. Because the word of life is salvation, isn't it? The word of life is the gospel. The word of life is life, is light that cuts through the darkness. The word of life is faith, hope, and love. And as we see in John chapter one, the word of life is Jesus Christ. Take a look at this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Friends, when we hold on to the word of life, we will shine like stars. We will shine like the light. In, in Matthew 5, Jesus has this analogy, he, he gives us this word picture where he says, hey, you are, uh, he, he's like, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket for no one to see, and you know, we, we read that and, and we're like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? You don't, the purpose, like what's the purpose of a lamp? Well, it's to shine light, right? It's to pierce through the darkness. It's to cut that darkness away, and Jesus, very simply, he's like, no one lights a lamp, and then puts it under a basket. Instead, he, you know, you, you, you light a lamp and then you put it on a lampstand so that it would shine out to all around you. And Jesus gives us this word picture because he then says, well, in the same way, you are that light. This world is dark and dreary. There's so many that are sleeping. And just like a light, should never be, a lamp should never be lit and put under a basket, but rather a lamp should be lit and put on a lampstand. You are that light, so don't hide your light. That's what he's saying here. Don't hide your light. The reason you are the light is so that you would shine the light and love of Jesus to everyone you live, work, study, and play with, that's why it's not just so that you would like hold that light and, and hide yourself or hide away from the world. He's like, no, you're not of the world, but you're supposed to live in the world. Why? To cut through the darkness, to shine the light. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So it's interesting because if you were to read the book of Daniel, which is full of end time prophecies, uh, in verse two of chapter twelve, Daniel talks about uh, he talks about what's going to happen. Uh, he he knows. Yes, we're called to be light, we're called to shine. But he says um, there will come a day when, in Daniel chapter twelve two, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. It's like we're gonna shine our light, we're gonna live our lives unto the glory of God, and then there will come a day where many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. That's going to happen. Some to eternal life, and then some to disgrace and eternal contempt. In other words, some will awaken to King Jesus and to everlasting and eternal life, and some will kind of wake up, rub their eyes, and then go back to sleep, to disgrace and eternal contempt. But what we see here is that that how? What, like what happens to people, what decisions people then choose, whether they are actually gonna to awaken to, to one side or the other, that's, that's, a, that's, actually not our, that's, that's actually not our responsibility. Our only responsibility is to not hide our light under a basket or a blanket. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to let our light shine. That's what we are called to do. Because when we share the word of life with those we live, work, study, and play with, some will be awakened and others won't. But man, we are praying that all will be awakened. and We are living like all will be awakened. But we're not ultimately responsible for the results. So so what are we called to do? Well, let's hold on to the word of life. Like that's what we can do. Let's boldly and courageously shine the light of Christ in and through our lives to everyone we live, work, study, and play with. That's what we can do. And let's do that by, I love what it says in Colossians 3, uh, by allowing the word of Christ to dwell richly among us. Love this. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. That's what it looks like. When we hold on to the word of life, the word of light, the word of Christ, we do that by letting it dwell richly among us in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude, right? choosing gratitude, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. So we see here even Colossians, right? In response to who God is, what he's done, and, and why he did it, we are called to live a life of response by choosing gratitude, by dwelling richly on the word of life, right? Holding on to the word. And then we see in Philippians 2 that we are also called to serve at his pleasure. That's our third habit for a life of response, to serve at his pleasure. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Serve at his pleasure? It's often used in that, in that phrase, I, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Maybe you, you watched that old show, West Wing, and, and there's the end of that uh, one episode where they all kind of went one after another. I serve at the pleasure of the president. 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 And you hear them saying these things, right? Especially as Canadians too, right? We're like, we're like That's, that just sounds weird, right? Like what does that mean to serve at the pleasure of the president? What that means is that the president has asked you to serve. That's what it means. And that you will willingly serve until you are no longer needed. So when they say, I'll serve at the pleasure of the president, that's what they are committing to. But until you're no longer needed? Like, that sounds harsh, right? Until you are no longer needed? Well, what that means is that it's basically more about the president than it is about you. Now, having said that, you were invited to serve. Like if 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 we were American and 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 the president asked us to serve, like and and some and we were to have gotten up into those ranks to, to be in a place where he would say something like that, he or she would say something like that, um, the president wouldn't ask you this because everyone else said no. Right? Like you were his first choice. It's not like no one else. Wanted to fill the spot, so he's like, oh, I guess, can you serve? And you're like, oh, I guess I'll serve at the pleasure of the president. No, and, and he doesn't take volunteers either. Just like, you're not like, hey, I serve, I will, I will serve at the pleasure of the president. Like, that's your bio on social media. No. I mean, it doesn't happen like that. The president has to actually invite you to serve. It's an honor, it's a privilege. And you know, in the same way, Paul has the same attitude, but he's not serving at the pleasure of Caesar, he's serving at the pleasure of the king. He's serving at the pleasure of the king of kings and the lord of lords. Where Jesus himself invited him to serve. On the road to Damascus, Jesus invited Saul to serve. And that's why we see in Philippians two, on the other half of verse 16, we see this in Paul's attitude. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, even if I'm glad and rejoice with all of you, the same way you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering, even if I face suffering, even if I'm persecuted, even if I lose my life, I will be glad and I will rejoice because I serve at the pleasure of the king. Paul understands what it means to serve at his pleasure. His life, Romans 12:1 and 2, is a living sacrifice unto the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He knows how much of a privilege and an honor it is that he was invited to serve the king. So for Paul, he knows that it's not about comfort. It's not about his comfort. It's about the king's mission. That the king's mission is now his mission. The king's purpose is now his purpose. So, so in the face of all the metrics and all the gauges and all the dashboards in which we measure success on this side of eternity, Paul says, my only metric for success is faithfulness. It's faithfulness to the king. So he asks himself, how well am I responding to the leadership of the king? How well am I going back, back, side, together? If you were to wear a jersey, we all know, Like, if you were to wear a jersey, you don't even have to say anything. Someone just sees you wearing that jersey and they know whose team you belong to or whose team you like. Right, I mean, it's so clear when you wear the, you don't even need to, if you're meeting someone for the first time, you don't even need to say that you love this team or that team. The fact that you bought and you're wearing a jersey says it all, right? Well, if you were wearing a jersey today, and that jersey represented what you believed and how you lived your life, and and you didn't even say a thing, but you just walked school, at work, in your neighborhood, with your family and different relationships, and, and you just walked with that jersey on. Whose team would people say that you belong to? Whose team would people say that you represent? Would people say that you're wearing the king's jersey? Would people say that you're working for the king's company? And is this, does this resonate with you? I mean, what jersey, really, I, I, want us to, I want us to reflect on this. What jersey are we actually wearing? What company are you working for? Because on that day, every single one of us will one day come face to face with Jesus Christ. And on that day, he'll either say one of two things. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. He'll either say this, or he'll say, you evil, lazy servant. my dear brothers and sisters, when you serve at the king's pleasure, it'll all be worth it. You know, even if you don't make the team because you prioritize gathering together on the weekends with your church family. Even if you're passed over for that promotion at work because you refuse to break the Sabbath and put in those extra hours that way. Even if your boyfriend or your girlfriend breaks things off with you because you're not willing to cross those boundaries before marriage. Even if your family stops talking to you because they don't realize how you can follow Jesus. Even if it takes longer to save up for that vacation because you're giving and tithing to the church as an act of worship and as an act of response to who God is, what he's done, and why he did it. And even if you need to rearrange your calendar because you're prioritizing serving the church and your neighbors. Even if, fill in the blank. Even if, fill in the blank. Even if. Or even if you face suffering, even if your life is poured out as a drink offering, even if you are in prison for your faith, even if your life comes to an end, when you serve at the pleasure of the king, it'll be worth it. Because on that day, Jesus will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy growing up i never went to any school dances um, i didn't know how to dance with someone else i knew how to break dance but you don't need anyone for that so you just it was it was it was okay and I just, so I just never danced. I never went to school dances. I just, and you know, even when Christina and I got married, we didn't dance. It's not like we had dancing and we just chose not to dance. We just didn't even organize dancing because I didn't know how to dance. I mean, literally, anytime Christina and I would try to dance, this is, this is what I looked like, right? I knew how to sway, I could do that, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move my feet. Because anytime I'd move my feet, I'd step on her feet. And then eventually, I, 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 I was like, hey, you know what, I could do this, I could dip one way, all right? and I could go like this, and like that, but literally that's all I knew how to do. And then last week, talked about the foxtrot, and, and I, I looked it up on YouTube, and I learned how to do the foxtrot, and I was like, Christina, can we, I know we don't dance, I know that's not really our thing, but can we try to do this? And I, I told her the steps, right? Um, front, front, side, together, back, back, side, Together, clothes, and I was like, "Can we try this?" So, so we did it. Now our kids were like rolling their eyes. They're like, "What are you doing? It's so gross!" Right? Um, but for us, it was so exciting. I was like, "No wonder people like dancing. Like, finally, you know, finally, I get it. <laughs> no wonder people like dancing because it's exciting." It was fun. Like we were moving. No, I didn't look like Beauty and the Beast. Like last week, I didn't. That's not what we look like. But it was fun to try. It was fun to do. And you know what? All of that was possible because I just learned a few steps. I just learned a few steps. I didn't say I'm too old to learn new steps. I'm, I'm too old, or I've, I've been doing this for too long. For, no, I, I just I, I just learned a few. New steps. You know, if you, want to follow the way, if you want to follow Jesus and live according to, as a response to who he is and what he's done and, and why he did it, you just need to learn a few steps. If you want to learn to live a life of response, you just need to learn a few new steps. And as we discovered today, those steps are choosing gratitude, holding on to the word and then serving at his pleasure. So, what does that look like for you? This upcoming week, not after you finish grumbling and arguing, in that moment. (laughs) Because you know it happens so naturally for us, right? It's not even like, it's not even, the question isn't even did you grumble or argue today? It's in the last 10 minutes did you grumble and argue, especially when you're driving too, right? It's like, it's constant. There's constantly, there's, there's so many opportunities all day to grumble and argue. So in those moments, not after, but in those moments, will you choose to be grateful? Will you point out and name what you are grateful for in those moments when you catch yourself, or someone else, you'll be like, hey, choose gratitude. Shut up, right? But no, it's like, choose gratitude. You could say it to me too. Right? In those moments, will you do that? And choose to do everything without grumbling and arguing? And then will you choose to hold on to the word of life? There's so many things that we are tempted to hold on to, but will you hold on to the word of life? Because when you hold on to the word of life, you will shine like stars in this world. And God will use you to awaken those you live, work, study, and play with to himself? And then lastly, will you serve at his pleasure? Will you serve at the pleasure of the king? Friends, let's learn how to be a church family that knows how to do this, back, back, side, together. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's stand, Um, let's stand, and, and you know, let's sing this song, Build My Life. And as we sing this, I want us to, when we get to the bridge, I want this to be our prayer. And in response to who God is, what he's done, and and why he did it, in response to all the ways that God has been moving in and through the service and moving in your life, and I trust God has been speaking to you today, because he does that. He does that when we open up his word, when we lay ourselves before him, he'll speak. He has been speaking. He'll continue to speak. And so in response to all of that, I want us to pray these words. I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. I will not be shaken. Let's allow this song to be our prayer in response to all that we've talked about today. All right? Okay, let's sing this together.
1: Fill me with your heart And leave me in your love To those me Church, this is that bridge That Pastor Daniel was talking about Let's proclaim this Let's make this our prayer today I will build my